Welcome to Is It Philosophy? For thousands of years, philosophy has been the domain of the elite, a form of thought placed on a tall pedestal. Well, not anymore. I want to take it back to its roots, simply the love of wisdom. A guest will join me each episode as we try to apply critical thinking to a new topic. At the end, it will be up to you to decide. Is it philosophy? All right, everybody, we're back again for another episode. Today, I've got Craig and Zana with me, and we are talking about do we truly have free will? Love this topic. Love this idea. My wife is so tired of me talking to her about this, so I'm glad somebody else can hear my ramblings about this. Mine is just her. So, Craig, let's get your take on it first. I'm curious to hear what you think. This is obviously a topic that anyone that's a deep thinker has thought about a lot, a lot, a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. I kind of fall in the that free will is just an illusion, but it doesn't matter that it's an illusion, if that makes sense. Yep, I'm exactly on the, the same plane of thought for the most part. Yeah, so I mean, like neurologically and like within the materialist realm, it can all be boiled down to explainable things. We might not understand exactly what it is right now. It doesn't, there's a lot of things in the, the real world that can be explained and can be simplified to a materialist standpoint, but it doesn't necessarily matter because that's not practical to live by. Like it's not practical to live by assuming that you have no choice over your decisions, right? Determinism says that, but that's not, we are kind of skewed into these little slivers of our own experience. So we're not able to kind of look at it from the macro perspective on an everyday basis. I tend to agree with that to a point. Have you seen, I don't know if you're a watcher of whatever, but uh, the new <laughs> Rick and Morty, and I don't want to spoil it for too many people. I, I have not seen the newest season of it yet. So I don't want to spoil it too much then, but they, he's going after this thing called the death stone. And basically what it is, is it, it's a stone that allows you to see your own death. Okay. And I loved it because the way they did it made a lot of sense where your actions determine how you're going to die. So you're not a deterministic, this is the way you die no matter what you do. Right. But every action move, everywhere you look, turn, everything is changing that time and place that you're you're going to die. Right. In a sense, it's, it's like free will, but it's not. And that's kind of how I look at it personally. I, like we have to an extent a, a free will, but I think the moment you're born – a path is either put in place by a divine universe or being or God or whatever you want to call it that we have control over to an extent. But at the same time, there's certain points in your life that have to be hit or that you're going to hit no matter what. And that, that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of go back and forth between whether I believe that or I believe that we have a little more control over it or if it's just like straight up, you know, what ex all time has already existed. Right. So if you subscribe at all to the idea that time is an illusion, time is just something that we're perceiving, but it already all exists, then you have to subscribe to the idea that determinism, everything already happened. I don't know necessarily if I believe that. That's definitely something that I like to consider because it makes sense, but it also is kind of like, well, well then <laughs> what's the point of anything? <laughs> Which is generally a thing that any kind of philosophy circles you around to is like, what's the point if everything's already predetermined? I love that you brought that up, the the concept of, of time and whatnot, because again, I'm going back to a movie I've seen, one of my favorite actually recently uh, called Arrival. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah. That was the first thing that popped in my head when you said that about time, because I love the way they dealt with that issue in that movie was right. time is this this thing. All of it's happened already everything that is ever going to or will happen exists now. Yeah. 
but we yeah. only live it linearly because that's yeah. only, that's the only way we can perceive it. Have you ever read Slaughterhouse Five, the book? Kermit? No, that's kind of what that discusses too. He gets unstuck in time, and he just kind of jumps back and forth into like other por- portions of his his life. I don't know. I tend to lean towards believing that, but then that really calls into question the level of free will. But also, if you subscribe to the idea that there's a multiverse or multiverses, like multiple universes, then each one of our decisions could be splintering us off into these different places where in some other universe, we made that decision and went down that path where like in this one, we did this. I don't, again, know if I totally believe that, but it's uh, definitely an interesting thing to think about. And I'm not the only person that thinks that. I love the multiverse concept. I wholeheartedly subscribe to it. And I I think I subscribe to it kind of for a selfish reason. (laughs) It's nice to think of, right? (laughs) It is because not to dive too deep into personal stuff, but for from the time I was eight years old to about 26, 27 years old, I had this dead set belief that I was going to make it in music. And Mm. it's nice to believe that somewhere out there in some universe, somewhere, some version of me was able to do that. For me, like I said, it's it's kind of a selfish reason to buy into that that theory, but I still wholeheartedly am on board with that idea. Yeah, it kind of puts a little less weight on every decision that we make. I've always had like a lot of anxiety, like decision anxiety, especially with big decisions in life. And what I've realized is like, it's not... Even if this is the only universe that's not helpful at all, just making a decision and then sticking to it is really the only way to live a life that is even kind of fulfilling. Otherwise, you're just going to be constantly in the state of anxiety of what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. But I think the the interesting thing about the if if free will does not exist, then where do we draw the line of illusion of free will? And what I find interesting is the idea of should people suffer consequences for things that they don't have control over? I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Uh, see, I'm, I'm torn on that. I don't know. I want to say yes, but at the same time, if there is no free will, if everything that everybody's doing has already been determined and we don't have control over that, then we really shouldn't suffer a, a consequence. So I'm torn. Yeah. I really don't know. My the the kind of way that I've circled around on it recently, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot and like journaling about because it really, you know, like you come to these things in your worldview and you're like, wait a second, this doesn't all square up. I also subscribe to like having radical love and compassion, which and empathy for people, which is also kind of understanding that they are the accumulation of all of their experiences rather than just judging them for their decisions and their actions. But that doesn't square away with like murderers and rapists and terrorists. As a society, we have to do something about that. Otherwise, I think the difference is, is like we can still have that empathy. We can still understand that maybe they their situations cause them to make those choices. And maybe they don't have the free will to choose. It just is a thing that is a product of their environment. But we have to be pragmatic as a society and say, okay, We can have empathy for that, but by punishing this person in some certain way, we can discourage other people from making that decision and kind of play into that deterministic standpoint of if somebody is thinking about doing this thing and society has these consequences set up for it, and we know that we're going to have to suffer these consequences, then that will play right into, it's not a free will thing. It's just a, our brain calculating the consequences of our actions. And obviously we have sociopaths and people that really can't make those calculations. And it's just kind of dealing with those as they come. That's an interesting thought. When you said that, it it would trigger something in my head that kind of, to me, almost proves a lack of free will. 
sociopaths. Yeah. Are they truly sociopaths or are they people who have just finally accepted the fact that, hey, I have no free will. Everything I'm doing is already determined. So what? And they live their life perfectly based on determinism. And because the rest of us in society can't comprehend that, they're crazy. They're sociopaths. They're psycho. They're whatever, right? Whatever label we put on them. I'm wondering if is that not is that not proof though of of a determinism and a lack of free will? I think that specifically in regards to those, I guess you would call them mental disorders. They're disconnected from their ability to feel emotions, which like your emotions are play into your lack of free will because your emotions are just chemical reaction happening in your brain. Thoughts are an electrical pattern happening in your brain. Uh, and those two things interplay, but they're not the same thing. But they both play together to make your decisions and your actions. And then those actions feed into the universe, and then you get feedback from the universe where then you make another decision and another action, where they just kind of have that split between where they're not reacting to the emotional side of things. So whether someone acts out of emotion or not, both of them are not acting out of free will. <laughs> Or it would seem that way. So, so I read, just to play slightly devil's advocate here, or I was watching these interesting uh, videos. It was um, like some physicist convention thing, and they were talking about basically our understanding of the brain being wrong. And I'm not a quantum physicist, so I'm going to slightly like butcher this, but I found it really interesting because I've always thought of the brain as just this computer program that's running, right? And like I said, it's not just the electrical signals. A lot of us think of it as like the on-off of the neurons, but then you also have all of the hormones from the hippocampus and your emotional states that are playing into that and causing the electrical signals to do different things. On top of that, though, there's a lot of scientists, neuroscientists, and, and physicists in this area saying it's not as simple as that. Like we want to think it's that simple because we're in the age of computers and we have a tendency to like personify our brains onto whatever the current understanding of the universe is. The interesting thing that they're talking about is that there's some kind of quantum play going on there in the brain where something outside of basic physics is flipping little switches kind of is like a, another level of the illusion of free will, even if that is the case. I think they were kind of arguing that like, this is free will. This is something outside of the materialist existence that's the observer or something causing these tiny little switches. You don't totally have control over the chain reaction that happens after that switch is flipped. And we don't really understand what is going on there or how that's working. I just thought that was an interesting... But even there, like they're trying to say that that proves that free will exists, but it's like, okay, well, that's just something that we don't understand yet that's controlling our illusion of free will, not that it doesn't exist totally. I've never seen that. I'm going to have to to check that out. What was that? I think the, the title of the video was like, our brains could be quantum fields. Interesting. Yeah. I love, obviously I am way stupid when it comes to quantum <laughs> anything, but to me, it's a fascinating theory yeah. and idea. Yeah. The whole idea behind it is that like for something to exist, it has to be everything exists in a cloud of probabilities until it's observed. And then uh, it's a really weird phenomenon. And it's not exactly as simplistic as a lot of like the new agey people want to claim it to be. They want to be like, the world doesn't exist until we observe it and everything we're manifesting our realities through by observing it and by putting our intention into it or whatever. Which maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not God. I don't know. Maybe we all aren't. So maybe we do know. <laughs> maybe. I I, that's, a, that's a different conversation. That was a totally different <laughs> but it, it does lead really interesting to the idea of free will and reality in my mind kind of go hand in hand, right? When As we have 
free yeah. will, we're creating our own reality. When I was a kid, I had this this idea in my head, and I, I wonder if all kids have this idea, but basically it was this idea that things only exist as I see them, right? So the, the concept mm. of somebody at school going home and having their own life and and my parents doing their own thing outside of me being there didn't really register in my head. And this wasn't just, oh, he's a five or six-year-old kid thing. This was, a, I mean, I was 13, 14, 15, and still kind of had this thought in my head. To me, that kind of leads to that, what you were saying, where it, our reality only exists as we observe it. Yeah. I mean, each of us have our own versions of reality that we're living in, and we can expand our consciousness expand our empathy towards other people's to include other people's lives I and mean, that's a pretty amazing thing to actually sit and try to like look at someone and imagine how complex and unique their life is separate from yours and we're both just these beings having these totally different experiences of reality but somehow we're sharing a lot of things in reality and there's some kind of that's what i like to use the term instead of using the term reality i like to use the term shared reality because there are things that i experience as reality there's things that you experience as reality and then there's the things that are in the middle that we both share and like we share with the rest of society and other human experience as shared reality. And there's something definitely there in that shared reality because we can all touch and feel and share it. But our perception of that shared reality is going to be different from person to person. The thing that causes that is all of those experiences that are accumulated in our brain that make us focus on certain things which is not free will. It's just our reality is a chain reaction from all of the other things that we've experienced in life. Well, so that that leads me to the, the idea of not having any free will at all. Because if, if like you said, I love the idea of, of a shared reality, but if, if we all have this shared reality, then all of my decisions, all of my, everything I do is based off of what somebody else has done or is doing or will do. Right. If yeah. we're going with a, a cyclical. Yeah, and also what you've done and will do, like your own actions feed back into your own system. And then it also feeds back into other people. It, it creates feedback for other people, too. I don't know. I was maybe like 19 when I came. I wrote I wrote down this like formula that like what is existence or what is like me? And it's like DNA plus experience. And that's it. <laughs> We are, our DNA is kind of like sets the imprint, the first imprint. Uh, and then everything else is just a chain reaction of all of these incredibly complex experiences that we have throughout life that is not easy to like really wrap your head around, but it's hard to separate any of your decisions, even your decision to like do something random. People always do that whenever you're like, oh, do you have free will? And they're like, well, if I didn't have free will, I wouldn't do this. And it's like, well, I mean, every single thing that's happened to you up until this moment caused you to be the type of person to respond that way. <laughs> So actually, it just proves my point even further. I don't know if this is related or not, but I, I want to ask you this question then. Are you the thought or are you the thinker? Mm, I think that you are you are the observer of the thought. And the thinker is the pattern in your brain. Interesting. Okay. Uh, that's that's one of my favorite <laughs> questions that is a good question yeah i mean that's like you know everyone's been trying to answer that forever <laughs> and we don't have an answer i don't think we'll ever answer it to me it's it's a really interesting concept because the way you answer it kind of determines how you view yourself in the world are, yeah. are you this deterministic thing that 
is bound by your own thoughts or are you able to see your thoughts react to your thoughts and change your reaction based on your thoughts therefore yeah are you able to become the meta programmer of your yeah. own brain yeah that's i mean that blew my mind whenever i was reading i think it was solve for happy by moat gadot i think i butchered his name in it, he is talking about trying to solve happiness as a math problem, basically. And one of the things he talks about is that a big barrier to our happiness is the fact that we all think that we are this voice in our head. And in pretty clear terms, he points out that we're not. That voice in our head that's always running, the narrator of everything, right? Like all of us have that, is some people call it the ego, some people call it different things, but it's really like your anxieties. And he, he points back to the development of period around like seven years old or so, whenever we start to have that really clear voice that's telling us, but, and I guess before that is we're more just like absorbing inputs. And at that point is when we start putting things into boxes and saying, okay, this is how I should react to all these different situations. And this is how I can protect myself. And basically all it is, is it's trying to protect yourself and, and it's like a survival instinct. So we should be grateful for it and say, thank you. But also we live in a world now that's like so safe and so comfortable that our brains are just going crazy trying to figure out, okay, what's the next problem? What's the next threat? And if we step back and then realize that we are not that voice, that like that blew my mind. I like that was the moment where I stepped away from that voice and was like, "Whoa, I'm something different than that." And that voice is going, "No, no, 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 no! I'm you, I'm you, I'm you." And it's like, "Wait a second, okay, I'm like experiencing seeing this thought." And then, I, of course, I got into meditation and stuff, and really removing myself from those thoughts, which has been incredibly helpful to like develop just a sense of fulfillment in life because you're not just constantly captured by those anxieties that is that voice that kind of prompted a question for yeah. me can we truly find happiness and does it matter if we find happiness if there's no free will like if for instance what I, what i mean by that is if we have free will we have the the ability to be sad or anxious or depressed or hurt or or any of these things versus if free will is an illusion and we don't have it and we're predetermined to do these things, does it do all of those emotions make sense then? Does it matter to be sad if if you have no choice over this? Can you really be depressed over something that was going to happen no matter what you did? Well, that's the thing with the like emotions are not logical. They're hormones. So they're chemical reactions that are happening. <laughs> and this has been a hard thing for me to cope with because I'm a very analytical person. And I've learned just recently to finally start feeling my emotions and allowing them to just play out. And that like your emotions are determined by things that are outside of your control. So it's not like you can say like, I'm going to choose to not feel sad. If you if your brain is releasing those chemicals and making you feel sad, then you're going to feel sad. And if you try to block it, you're just going to make it worse and you're just going to like bury it. And then a bunch of other things happen on top of that. I think the question of can we or should we feel happy is kind of the wrong question. I think a lot of people are chasing that happiness. And really what we should be looking at is just a sense of fulfillment, a sense of things are okay. Happiness is just an emotion that's going to change depending on currently what's right in front of you and what your brain signals are telling you. Fulfillment is this like network of thoughts and core beliefs that allow you to deal with all of that stress and all of that emotional change that's constantly happening. To be able to have those emotions and to be able to, to feel those things, is that not then proof of free will? Because if, again, if we're living in a, in a world that's already predetermined, those things don't make sense and they wouldn't have developed versus- No, I think they do. I you think so? Because they cause, yeah, because they cause us to take action. They cause us, so if you are anxious, 
then your body is literally building up energy. There's an interesting, I think it was Sam Harris that talks about it, that the physiological difference between anxiety and excitement are basically non-existent. Chemically, it's the same exact thing. It's just kind of the perspective we're putting on it. So like anxiety is there as a survival instinct to cause us to take action to survive. Sadness is there as a survival instinct for its own thing. And happiness is there as kind of a guiding light. Sadness is kind of the thing, okay, we want to avoid that, right? And then happiness is the thing like, okay, that feels good. I want to do more of that. So the things that cause happiness are the things that we we move towards, which helped us survive, helped us evolve into a society that we have now and continue to do that. Sometimes our modern society isn't really built for those emotions to, and it doesn't seem like it's playing to our advantage, but it seems like that's where that all came from. So it's not that I think those build even further into the illusion of free will because it f it feels like we're having these things outside of logic and they are outside of logic, but they're guiding us. They're, they're, they are the things that are pushing us to take these certain actions. And if those chemicals weren't released at that exact amount in our brain, then we wouldn't feel those things and take those actions. I see what you're saying. Okay. Oh, you just messed with my head. Hold on. <laughs> Damn. Because that's a good conversation, then. It's it is because my thought was, right, it, like your computer program. You program a computer like like an assembly line, right? Mm -hmm. That computer or that that machine is only programmed to to insert that bolt, right? And as the car goes down the line, it inserts that bolt. It's not happy about it. It's not sad about it. It doesn't care. Its program tells it this is what I do, and that's all it does. For me, the thought was, well. For us to be able to have emotions, we have to have the free will to choose to insert that bolt or not, mm. to, to use that metaphor, right? And what you're saying, and I never thought about it this way, is that emotion is what drives us forward to do the thing yeah. that we're predetermined to do. That's yeah. messing with my head. I never <laughs> thought about it that way. Yeah, it's it's a very like – it seems to me like a very sloppy system, but I mean that's kind of how – uh, biological systems work. They're a lot more sloppy than a, a computer. It's not as simplified as like the ones and zeros, which is why I think like our understanding of the brain is a little oversimplified a lot of times. Yeah, it, it is pretty, it is pretty crazy to think about like how those emotions cause you, cause then it causes, if you feel so sad, then you're going to, you're going to go out and take certain actions to, or things will happen that then you know, domino effect into certain things. And like, for me, like I was super, super depressed, especially like when I was younger. And that's what led me to, to get interested in this kind of thing and kind of be like, well, what is wrong here? Like, what is the actual thing that's wrong? And maybe that's all predetermined. Maybe that already happened. And I'm predetermined to be having this conversation with you right now. And the reason that happened was because I felt so sad for so long because it drove me to do something. Was that sadness driven by a predetermined thing or were you sad because of a free will choice to do something that didn't work out the way you wanted and then that free will drove you to be sad about it and then to take the the step to find a way to change it no i think a lot of our emotions if we if we look at them close enough we can almost always track them back to what caused them so my sadness was definitely a chemical imbalance and generational it's everyone in my family seems to have this like underlying sadness but also then that becomes kind of learned too it could maybe not even be chemical it could just be you know if you're raised around a bunch of sad people you're gonna be sad <laughs> and then also there's like tons of things that happened in high school and elementary school that caused me to be more sad i can look at every single one of those things as cause and effect as this thing happened so then i felt this way because my 
brain, my body reacted in a certain way, created more of this specific chemical that is telling me something's wrong here. You need to get out of this situation. The issue is, is that a lot of times it's not clear because emotions are sloppy. It's not clear what is wrong here and how to get out of this situation. There's no manual of how to do that. But I don't think that precludes free will at all, where I'm the illusion of free will. Well, if we're dealing with an illusion of free will, could we not write a manual based on on that? For instance, I think that we are. We are. How do you, how I think figure? that as we're developing psychology and neuroscience to the degree that we are, we've had some pretty crazy breakthroughs just within the last like 10 to 20 years. And we're just super, super early in understanding the way that it works. And I think that it makes us uncomfortable because we want to believe that we have free will. It makes us uncomfortable to think that we could figure out all of the cause and effects in our brains. I find that empowering because then we can really be that meta programmer. We can look at what's going on and what we don't like. And we can say, which again, is not because we have free will, but just because a bunch of things have happened that have given us that ability to be the meta programmer. But then it like it's this feedback loop that where you can it caused you to have those thoughts and then those thoughts can cause different thoughts to change and allow you to, to move around the pieces or at least have the illusion that you're choosing to move around the pieces. But we can only do that if we have a really clear understanding of, of why we're having the thoughts that we're having, why we're taking the actions that we're taking, why we're feeling the things that we're feeling. And if we take free will out of it, then we can figure those things out. Thought experiment. So let's say a hundred years in the future, right? Psychology, sociology, whatever, they figured this all out. They can give you this book or everybody's given this book at birth that says, here you go. Here's your manual. Here's how you are to live your life to gain the most happiness or fulfillment or whatever we want to call it. Do we really want to live in that society? Isn't pain and depression and sadness and hurt part of what makes the human experience? Do we find fulfillment? I don't think we're ever, I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it's possible to escape those negative emotions. I think fulfillment still includes suffering and sadness and struggle. It's just having a lack of despair. I think the difference is, is that you can be sad and not be have a feeling of despair. If you, Once you feel a feeling of despair, you feel like it's hopeless. And that's where suicide and deaths of despair through drug use, drug use and overeating, all those things come from because it seems like there's no way out. You're going to feel sad. Even if you, you have kind of a clear vision of how to use your brain and how to interact with the world, things are going to happen that are out of your control and it's going to make you feel sad. And part of that control manual is probably, we obviously don't have that, but playing into the thought experiment is what do you do when you feel sad? And it's not going to be bury that feeling and just feel happy about it. It's going to be feel that feeling, experience it, but in a healthy, healthy way. And once you experience it, then it goes away and then you can move on to other experiences. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. But I'm torn by do we want to live in that society, though, where we have gotten to a point where we understand everything and can can now explain it in a way that we can use. I don't know, maybe not use, maybe use is the wrong word, but we understand it better. I don't know if we, again, have a choice. I think that like our society is moving that way. And like we we would have a quote unquote choice whether or not to follow it. You know, if someone hands you a, a guidebook and says, here's how you operate your brain, you could be like, well, I'm going to do this thing because it sounds more interesting. And which is totally, we do that all the time. We know exactly the right thing to do and we do something else because it's more interesting. I think that it's human nature 
which I, again, I don't think is because we have this like ethereal ability to, to make that choice. It's just a matter of we're kind of biologically predisposed to this, that we want to take most of us. I think that maybe it's a genetic thing where some people are more predisposed than others to take risks. So a lot of us would look at that and be like, that's boring. <laughs> I'm going to do something else. I'm going to totally ignore that and try to wing it. You sound like you'd be that type of person. Uh, yep. that I get in trouble for that a lot. Uh, I don't ever have a plan going into anything. <laughs> Which that's why, I, and, and I always said at the top of the show that, that I don't necessarily buy free will. I'm, I'm sort of a determinist. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I, I wholeheartedly think that there has to be a level of, of free will. I, I think kind of both camps, in my opinion, kind of play into each other because there has to be a level of determinism when you're born. I don't know what, what faith you are, but I know that for most faiths, they always tell you what well, God has a plan for you or the universe has a plan for you or whatever. Yeah. There's a plan for your life, right? So that leads me to believe that most people buy into a certain level of determinism. But at the same time, you have that free will to make the choice to follow that path that you're given or that's laid out for you or that however it works, right? So there is a certain level of predestination of where you're supposed to be in your life. Or maybe the possibilities. Yeah. So like this is where that quantum physics thing comes in. So like in quantum physics, everything is a cloud of probability. So what if your whole life, all of the potential outcomes of your life are this cloud of probabilities? That thing, that on-off switch, that observer that seems outside of material reality, outside of the ones and zeros of, of physics as we understand it. What if that thing is the thing that's able to make those, is kind of playing the joystick, right? And is in in the material sense, at least, is what free will is. And it allows us to at least change and go down the different paths that are possible for each of us. So it's like, it's semi-predetermined, but there's also useful decisions for us to make along the way. My brain hurts thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, because we're thinking about our own brain, and my brain is going like, "What?" <laughs> but does that does that make sense? The that's why I think I'm going to have to send you that video, and I think anyone could find it if they looked up like your brain is a quantum field. That's what I searched and found it because that definitely throws a wrench in the whole idea that everything's just ones and zeros, and it's all supposed to happen. It all happens the way that it's going to happen, right? Hold on, I'm, I'm writing that down because I want to look that up. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really an interesting twist on, I don't think it totally changes it. I think, again, it's another thing that it's the God of the gaps thing where we would look at that and say like, oh, that is spirit. That is the soul. That is God. That is something outside of reality. And it's like, it could be outside of our known understanding of reality, but that's another thing that maybe could be understand understood on the same terms. We just don't understand it yet. So it feels like it's otherworldly. Or maybe it is. Uh, I kind of hold both beliefs simultaneously. Yeah, and that's that's to me is a confusing place to be because you're you kind of split on things. I'm I'm with you on that one. We're coming up on about the end, so I wanna I wanna get your final thought on this. What what is the idea you want to leave people with on this idea of free will? I think the idea is that it doesn't really matter. (laughs) You should not allow that. You shouldn't allow yourself to spend too much time being anxious over it. It's interesting and fun to think about, but in our everyday lives, we do have choices, whether those choices are predetermined or not, we have choices to make. And you can kind of look at, okay, if I make this choice, how is that going to play out down the line? And the important thing is to understand that 
if you feel like you are not in control of your own brain, which I think a lot of us maybe feel that way sometimes, it's probably because we're running these patterns that are just habits really. And it's possible to play that meta programmer. Whether that meta programmer is something outside of determinism or not doesn't matter. We have that lever that we can pull and it's important to try to step into that and pull it and make the decisions that will reach the goals that you want to reach, uh, which will help you live a fulfilling life. I think that's probably the best, the best way to, to sum it up. Yeah. We're just summing up like, you know, the entire life philosophy of like what is existence from the last, like, you know, 5,000 plus right. years. Easy, so. easy to do in a half hour. No problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm still, I'm still reeling from the whole thing you said about the emotions and, and whatnot. That's still, mm -hmm. I love that way of looking at it. It's super useful to understand that because then they don't have as much control over you. And it's not that you shouldn't feel those things. This is what I've learned recently. And it's like been this huge switch for me that has allowed me to feel a lot more fulfilled more consistently in life is to feel those emotions, whether they, if they're negative or whatever, to allow yourself to feel it, allow yourself as a man to cry it out. Like that's such a, like a hard thing for a man to do a lot of times, but like sometimes that's literally what our body needs to do to release those hormones to then allow you to move into whatever the other state that is possible for you to exist in. Yep. I love it. I, I wholeheartedly think that that is, Probably a hell of a lot of truth right there that most people need to hear. I needed to hear it. I don't know about the rest of you guys out there, but that was one that I needed to hear. There, I, I, we reached one person there. I needed to hear that a, a year ago. Someone else told me that, and I went with it. A woman, of course. She was very much, so much more emotionally intuitive than me. Aren't they all? At least all of them I've yeah. ever met. Yeah. Well, before we go, I do want to give you a chance to share with everybody where they can reach you. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've got your own show out there. So share that with everybody and, and give them how they can find it. Yeah. So uh, my show is called Happy You Are Here. And that's on everything, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the whole nine yards. Um, and you can find me on social media or the internet anywhere as Craig and Zana. I'm the only person that has Craig and Zana, the name. So it's really, really easy to find me wherever you're looking for me. Uh, and I really like to meet and engage with new people and talk about new ideas and stuff wherever it's at. So totally reach out. Well, awesome. Thank you for, for doing this with me. Thank you for hurting my head and screwing me up with my emotional ideas. On things, <laughs> but that's okay. That's perfect. That's what this is for. It's how you grow. It, it is. And it, to me, it's fascinating. I love this. That's why I keep doing this show and not pestering my wife with these things anymore. <laughs> yeah, it gets old sometimes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She. We were having... Anyway, that's a different conversation, but uh, <laughs> thank you for joining me and go with your free will, determinism, whatever it is into the, the next moment of your day. Cool. Yeah. The chain reaction of all the things that are happening. <laughs> right. I'll enjoy it though. Uh, thank Either you. Either way. All right. Thanks. Definitely. Okay. So there it is. Is it philosophy? Go to our website at www.isitphilosophy.com and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter and Facebook as well. Help us grow by going onto iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe. And take a moment and leave a review. Until next time, question everything, seek your truth, and don't be afraid to speak your truth. Your truth.